All right. Hey, it is good to be here at Radiant Springs. I've been coming here off and on, uh, filling in for Pastor Brent here and there for Seminary in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, I was sitting next to him in Hebrew. Dr. Wayne Cotton was trying to teach us Hebrew, and I remember leaning over to Brent. Back then, I didn't have glasses, and I said, can you see what he's writing on the board? He said, yeah. I was like, I can't see any of it. I think I need glasses. So anyway, I got my glasses and everything's good. <laughs> but uh, Brent and Amy have been great friends over the years. And I will just say I am so glad that they are taking this sabbatical. Um, my topic today, which I'm going to get into in just a minute, is is kind of related to that. But I'm not preaching it as a defense of what he's engaged in right now, I was thinking through and praying and saying, okay, Lord, what is it that that you want to speak to us about? And really, I just started with the big thing that I need to work on the most. And so I was like, you know what? If this is relevant for me, maybe it'll be meaningful to somebody else. So we're going to get into it just for a minute. Um, but before we do, have you ever been to the optometrist? Obviously, I have. Um, been to the optometrist, and they slide those, that, the big goggles up to your face, the goggles of infinite possibilities, right? And then the eye doctor starts going through, okay, what is better, one or two? Can you give me one again? One or two? Which one is better? Uh, two. Okay. What about now? One or two? And they go through this, and they're dialing it in until all of a sudden, holy moly, now I can see better than 2020 because he dialed it in so, so precisely that it works. Okay, now, we're going to do something similar to that, but the question is not, does this help you see better? I want you to, we're going to go through a series of images, and I want you to, just for yourself, say, okay, which one feels more like my life? right now. Which one feels more like my life? So we'll put the first one up, and this one will be side by side. One or two? Which one feels more like my life? One or two? We'll go to the next one. Which one feels more like my life? Number one or number two? Let's go back to number one. Maybe maybe you need... Is it number one or number two? Okay. Okay, we'll go to the next one. Uh, what about this one? Is it number one or number two? <laughs> go back to one. Let's see. Is it one or two? <laughs> This guy cracks me up, man. Every time I, I pull this picture up and I'm just like, oh, man, he's having a rough life, let's just say. All right, let's look at the next one. Is it number one or number two? <laughs> number one, number two. Which one feels more like my life? Let's go to the next one. Is it number one or number two? 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I had fun doing this, if you can't tell. So, um, number one or number two? I think we got one more for you here. Is it number one or number two? Um, now, now, here's the thing, guys. The reality is no matter how great your life is, no matter how together you've got your whatevers, okay? We all have times when our lives feel like number two. Take that however you want to. <laughs> we all have times when our lives feel like those second images, right? And there is a certain amount of chaos, a certain amount of difficulty that is inherent to our existence in this world. There are even seasons in our life which are harder than other seasons. Okay? So acknowledging that there is a certain amount of chaos, a certain amount of confusion, a certain amount of trouble that is inherent to life. Understanding that, let me just say this. However, many of us live with way more confusion, way more chaos, way more stress than God intended us to live with. Okay? And often, this lack of peace, this lack of rest is the product of our own lack of boundaries. Okay? We overcommit, we double book, we say yes when we should say no or not now. Other times we lack peace because we react to things that are happening around us. We obsess we overthink, we worry, we stress out, we indulge in habits and behaviors that are unhelpful and perpetuate the weary cycle. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking to myself. Okay. But all of those things that I just described are things that I, I do and have done. But regardless of the reasons that we live in this in this state of continuous weary, continual weariness, lacking peace, lacking true soul rest, a quietness in our spirit, regardless of the reasons. Scripture is very clear that God really does want us to experience more of number one and less of number two, okay? So today I want to just talk to you about this idea. Um, I, it's, it's a promise, really. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Do you recognize those, those words? Do you remember who said it? It was Jesus, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start here, and, and really I just, um, we're going to start right here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I think we've got a slide for that. 
Matthew 11:28. And why don't we read this together, okay? I like to hear your voices uh, coming back this way. So let's, let's read it together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's, let's read it again. I felt like it was me and this guy right here. I don't, I don't know your name, but thanks for helping me out. Um, let's read it together, okay? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ, AD 30. I don't know, somewhere in there. Jesus said, I will give you rest. So what did he mean? Is he, is he saying that he's going to make sure that you, you get a nap later today? Is he, is he saying that, um, is, is it a promise that you're going to sleep all night without having to get up and go number one? Man, I am fixated on these one and two here. I got to get off on something else. Um, is, it, is it simply the promise of future rest, such as the writer of Hebrews talks about, right? Does it even apply to this life? Or is it like some far away, you know, after we die? Okay, there's certainly that. I mean, now, we're going to just kind of tip our toe, dip our toe in this idea, the biblical idea of rest, okay? It's actually a very, very big idea in Scripture. And so we obviously don't have time to go through the whole meaning. So we're just going to start at the beginning and try to wrap our minds around it a little bit. So hopefully when we walk out of this place today, we've got a little bit more freedom, a little bit more um, burden lifted off of our shoulders. And we can hopefully be healthier human beings, right? Um, so let's start at the beginning. Here it is. Genesis Chapter 1, verse 1. I liked us reading it together. Why don't, why don't we do that again, okay? Let's read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he separated and, oh, excuse me, God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And then get this phrase right here. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, now we're not going to read the whole creation narrative, but I'm just going to I'm going to summarize it for you like this, okay? In fact, we could visualize that last phrase like this. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Okay, you see that visualization? A very clear separation. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, as the creation narrative goes on, on day 2, God creates, God separates, um, he creates a separation and, and he creates a, an expanse above the earth and he calls the expanse sky, right? And then it says this phrase again, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And then on day three, God creates uh, the, the land and seas. He separates the water and the, and the, and the land. And, and he causes uh, flora and fauna to, to 
began to reproduce on the earth. And, and now we have all these beautiful plants and trees and things that God created, right? So it's not just, it doesn't just look like Mars, but there's actually life coming from the soil. And it's, and it's beautiful, right? And then again, here we have this phrase. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And then we move on to day four. And God creates a sun and moon and stars and, and establishes the seasons and this, this rhythm to life where there's seasons and, and the, um, this kind of the marking of time and days and years. And, and then at the end of day four, God said, well, let's, let's create numbers now because we're running out of room. No, God didn't say that. I did that. Okay. But day four, again, it's the same, the same formula. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Day five, what happens? God populates the sea with living animals and fish and, and whales and sharks and, and eels. And, and, and he populates the sky with birds, right? And then at the end of day five, we hear this same formula again. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And then on day six, he creates the land animals. And then in verse 26, still day six, God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, right? And he creates us. And then at the end of day six, there's this formula one more time. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Okay, let's look at that for a minute. Not, not yet, not yet. What is this? What, what, do you, what do we have here? What is it? It's rhythm, right? It's rhythm. Anybody here ever mess with, like, uh, creating MIDI music? creating music on a computer with MIDI, it looks a lot like this, okay? So let's, let's look at the rhythm. Let me put that up. Do you see this? The, the next slide, um, Chris. Do you see that? And one and two and three and four and five and six. Now, this is really, really, really interesting to me, okay, that... In this, see, see, we believe in a thing that, that theologians call progressive revelation. That means that, that God, bit by bit, little bit by little bit, he, he shows us in Scripture, he showed us who he is, what he's like, and how he wants us to live. Just, it, it wasn't like this massive dump, and, and, and like he showed us everything all at the same time, but Bit by bit, he shows us who he is and how he wants us to live in this world that he's created. And it's really interesting to me that the first thing that we see in Scripture is that God created this world and he created you and me to live with what I'm going to call a sacred rhythm. Right? And one and two and three and four. Have you ever stepped into a preschool classroom when they're passing out the musical instruments and I mean it's just 
I mean, that's, it's not music. It's noise, okay? The difference between music and noise is music has a rhythm. There's meter. One and two and three and four, okay? And God created this world. He created you and me to live and operate by this sacred rhythm. Now, we're going to keep going. Um, where are we at? We're at the beginning, right? All right. Chris is killing it back there. He was so helpful this week. I sent him all these slides, and he just got them all in order. It's amazing. Genesis chapter 2, okay? Because after creation, this is what we read, okay? Thus, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed. Hmm, that's interesting. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Let's just hang out there for a minute. Think about this. By the seventh day, God had finished all the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God, God, God rested. Eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God rested. Why in the world did God rest? Was he like, oh, whew, man, making them wells is a lot of work. Ah, I need to take a breather. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because it was time to stop doing what he was doing. It was time to stop. Let's, uh, we need to read verse 3. Um, so, let's see. Um, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. God rested he didn't rest because he was tired he didn't rest because he needed a breather god rested because he had finished the work of creation now think about this god could have kept going right i mean he could have kept going with creation how many times do you like get started on something and there's always that one person hopefully i'm not that one person but there's always that one person where you get started on something and they're like, oh, but you know what we could do? You know, like you're, you're planning, like you're going to grill burgers. Like, let's just grill some burgers. And then they're like, oh, but you know what we could do? We could also do s'mores. And then we could, we could make a chocolate pie. And we could do this. And, and they just keep piling it on. And it's awesome, but like, oh, it's exhausting. Right? I mean, God could have kept going, right? I mean, you could imagine a a conversation in heaven going something like this, like, oh, you know, we made the horse. What if we made a horse, but had like this giant horn that came out of his head, just like one horn, not like antlers or anything, just like the narwhal, but it comes out of his head, 
that'd be cool. Or what about this? Like we, we make a horse, but we give him like wings so he can like gallop and fly. Or he could gallop while he flies. And then they could like put him at the beginning of movies and stuff. Or, or what about, oh, hey, hang with me, hang with me. What if we combine like two of our best ones? So we took the horse, we got like a horse, but then like when it gets to his neck, instead of like a horse head, we've just got like a man from like the abs up. Wouldn't that be cool? And he could gallop, but then he's got arms, so he's got like four legs, and he can run really fast, but then he can also do things with his arms. I mean, he could have kept going, right? Or what about like, he says, oh, what if we took a horse and we made him really tiny and made him live in the sea? Oh, wait, we've already got a seahorse, don't we? Shoot. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, but God did his work of creation, and then he stopped. He stopped, right? Because no matter, listen to this, I want you to get this. No matter how important the work is, there always comes a time when you just need to stop. When you just need to stop. And so the rhythm changes, right? We've got this, this holy rhythm. And let's see, I think we've got another picture of the rhythm. Let's, let's look at that one. So you see? We got and one and two and three and four and five and six and rest. And and then it starts over, right? And so this this idea of sacred rhythm is it, it's beautiful because the Old Testament builds it out, right? And so this this sacred rhythm extends. It's week after week where there's you work when it's time to work, work when it's time to work, and then stop. Work and then stop. And then there's the rest on the seventh day. And week after week it goes. And then in the Old Testament, they build it out to where there's six years of, of regular work, right? And then in the Old Testament, the seventh year was to be a, a Sabbath year. The whole year was to be a Sabbath. And so they weren't supposed they were supposed to allow the the land to rest. And so they weren't supposed to plant crops on the seventh year. They were just supposed to eat whatever, whatever volunteered, whatever grew up on its own. They were supposed to take that, okay? And then, so there were cycles of that. And so there's that cycle of six years of work, one year for the land to rest. And they would do that seven, seven times. And then on the, and so that's seven times seven is what, 49? So 49 years where the, where the cycle would repeat. And then on the 50th year, there was, it was, it was like the ultimate Sabbath year. They called it, does anybody know what they called that 50th year? Jubilee. Okay, Jubilee is not just a, just a bunch of hillbillies playing music. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a jamboree. Okay. All right. Um, so, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee, and this was the year when God intended the whole society to kind of reset. 
And so any land that was, had been purchased over the last 49 years was to be returned to the ancestral owners, right? Any, any debts that were owed, the, the balance sheet were to be zeroed out, reset at zero, and so debts were to be forgiven. And if there was anybody that was, was taken as an indentured servant or a slave, they were, be dis, they were to be set free, okay? It was supposed to be this, this reset. Now, they didn't do it. They didn't listen. They didn't obey. <laughs> there were only a few times when they actually did what they were supposed to do. But can you imagine? Because this is the way God intended. He intends us to live with a holy, a sacred rhythm. Can you imagine a, a society where that actually happened? Where at least once during your lifetime, like you'd get a, a, a fresh start if if somehow, you know, you'd, your family had come to poverty or, I mean, can you imagine how much more equitable that kind of society would be? And that's what God, that's how he intended his people to live. Now, I say all that just to say that there is, God wants us to live with in this sacred rhythm, right? Now, there's God's way. Right. And then there's our way. God says, I want you to live with this sacred rhythm. Um, and so he said, there's evening and there's morning, evening and morning. Do we have that one that one slide? Uh, God's way and my way. I think I'm ready for that. So number one is the way God intended us to live. Number two looks more like the way I tend to live. And maybe maybe you too. Right. So it's evening, and then I got a little bit of insomnia there, right? Or maybe you wake up in the night, you're just like, oh, man, I better check my email. <laughs> what? Okay, and then, I mean, it just, there's, there's no rhythm to our lives. It's all just, and, and we build days like this, day after day after day, and, and until we don't have music anymore, it's just noise. It's just noise. I think I've got to, right? When our lives look like this and the rhythm is gone and all we have is noise. Listen. And then we wonder why we're stressed, why we have anxiety, why we have, um, I mean, I'm not naming anything that I haven't dealt with myself, okay? So don't feel like I'm pointing my finger, right? Like, it's because somehow we've allowed the way that God wants us to live. We've, we've thought, you know what? I'll do it my way. I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll do it my way. All right. I, I hope that you're seeing that this tendency, and by the way, this is not simply a modern problem it's exacerbated today because we have constant connectivity we have i mean you think about even 200 years ago at the end of the day people had to quit working because it was dark outside you know i mean now anybody here ever worked the night shift oh man night shift sucks 
whew, I am not wired for that. But, you know, I mean, we've got all the things so that we can never stop if we don't want to. I mean, you know, I mean, back when some of us were kids, like there came a time when the, when the TV station actually turned off, right? Like, oh, they're not broadcasting anymore, right? But now we have, I mean, we can stay up all night. I watched three seasons of that TV show last night. I haven't gone to sleep at all. I need a five-hour energy. I mean, we, we just live with that constant connectivity. But listen, this, this tendency towards not stopping when we need to stop, this is not a modern problem. It's worse now, but it is a human problem. Not simply a modern problem. And so God intends for us to live with this sacred rhythm where we, where we stop long enough to where we can think about what does life, what really matters in life. Connect with our creator. Slow down. Quiet our souls so that we can hear the voice of the Savior saying, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So this tendency towards constant striving, it's not a good thing. It's a problem. Our lives are becoming ever more connected, ever busier, ever there's an ever-increasing barrage of information and more and more people and entities vying for our time and attention until we no longer can hear the sacred rhythm. And the sad reality is that I'm convinced most of us don't really know how to rest. What we call rest or downtime is often just another version of constant activity. Many of us, our society has programmed us to be uncomfortable with silence, to be uncomfortable with boredom. Okay? So from the time we wake up in the morning until we crash on the pillow at night, something is on, something is feeding noise into our existence. Some of us can't even go to the bathroom without taking our phones to find out what's going on with somebody that, ha that we <laughs> doesn't even matter to us, right? So, listen... This is, not, this is not condemnation, okay? I said I'm preaching this because this is something that I've, I need to work on. And I was like, I got to dig into this a little bit and see what does God's word say about it. So we struggle with it because, hey, I'm, I'm self-employed now. I don't have a salary. Like, if I don't go out and hustle, like, I don't get a paycheck. 
all right? So I understand the struggle. If I stop, if I slow down, everything's going to fall apart, right? If I rest, I'm never going to get going again, right? Some, some of you moms may feel that way. If I sit down, I'm not going to be able to get back up again. If I stop, how am I going to pay the bills? If I rest, ooh, what are people going to think? God has a better way. God has a better way. I love this. And, and guys, we're, like I said, we're just dipping our toe in this, in this idea. This is a big, big concept in Scripture. But I love Deuteronomy chapter 33. See, Moses, before he died, he was blessing the tribes of Israel. And when he got to Benjamin, this is what he says. He says, about Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. It's almost like, Moses is saying, God loves you, and he's got you. The one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. When I read that, the image that popped in my, my head was like God was giving a piggyback ride to somebody, right? Like, oh, you're tired? You're weary? So I do this with my, my four-year-old son, just like, all right, you know, we're out somewhere, and he's, oh, I'm tired, my legs. I'm like, all right, get on, you know. Like, you don't have to do this on your own. And so when we, when we live with holy rhythm, however crazy and however stressful the week has been, God invites us into his presence like we're here today, and he says, lay it down, let it go. You don't have to do this on your own. I've got you. I'm here. Amen. So if, if you're here today and, and if you're honest with yourself and you say, Brian, I, I need this this message. I need this perspective in my life. Let me, let me just say this. God's plan for your life has never included the level of chaos that you're currently living with. If you feel like you can't stop, if you feel like this is too big, right? And please hear me. This is not this is not condemnation. Okay, remember the the Pharisees. By the time Jesus came around, the Pharisees had turned this idea of Sabbath into something that was oppressive, something that was that they used as a they'd weaponized the Sabbath. Okay, and what did Jesus say? He said, "The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath." Right? Like this is something that this is God's gift to you. Don't turn it into something, something destructive, right? So please hear me. What I'm saying is it's okay. You can take a break, and it's not all going to fall apart, right? In fact, maybe stopping is going to make 
make you more effective when it's time to go back to work, right? Because most of us just blur it all together, and so when we're working, we're not really working, and when it's time to stop, we don't really stop, okay, because we didn't get done what we needed to get done, and, and so it's just a mess, right? But there's got to be a reset at some point, right? So if you feel like you can't stop, okay, this would be a first step. See if you can identify the root. Why? Why do I feel this way? Okay? I had this, I had this experience a few weeks ago. I sat down, and I was trying to relax, and I realized, holy moly, the hardest thing in the world for me to do is just to relax. Like, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, just stop. Just stop. So identify the root. Why, why do I feel this way? Okay, for some of us, it may be guilt. Okay? It may be guilt. Like, if we're not doing something, we feel, we feel guilty. If, if that's where you're at, let me, just, let me just say this. Yes, you may. Okay? I didn't say yes, you can. Okay? I said you may. In other words, you have permission. You have permission. Okay? The last, the last place where I worked... I needed to leave a long time before I did. And it took me two years. Two years to give myself permission to leave. Okay? I thought I couldn't. And it drove me to a point of crisis. The most unhealthy place I've ever been in my life. And it was in that moment of brokenness when I had been pushing so hard for so long and it just came to my breaking point and I heard the voice of God say, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Some of us feel like we don't have permission to stop. I want you to hear this. You already have God's permission. More than that, you have his explicit instructions that he wants you to live your life with holy rhythm, punctuated by regular intervals of work and rest. Maybe you need to believe that. God has given you permission, but you haven't given it to yourself. Okay? You don't have to keep doing what you've been doing. You don't. Okay? For others of us, maybe it's fear or anxiety. Let me just tell you this. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Yes. When it's time to work, you need to work. But when it's time to stop, you need to stop. And rest in his provision. Rest in his grace. God's going to take care of you. If you change the way you've always done it, you're going to create space for God to show you just how faithful he is. Some of us are not seeing the faithfulness of God because we haven't created space for him to show his faithfulness. That was good. Mm -hmm. 
for some of us, honestly, it may, it may be pride that drives us. Listen, it doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter if your car isn't the nicest one in the parking lot. It doesn't matter if you've got dandelions in your yard or if someone else gets the big promotion at work. God wants you to be a healthy human being. Okay? I work in financial services industry. We just got a really big client because their financial advisor died of a heart attack at like 50. Okay? He had a lot of money. And he's not enjoying any of it. Okay? Listen, don't let pride rob you of your relationships and your health and the life that God has for you, okay? For some of us, it's, it's just control. Like, we're afraid, and this, I think control goes back to fear, but we're afraid. What's going to happen if I, if I release control, okay? Listen, control is an illusion anyway. There's... 90% of your life, <laughs> well, no, maybe not that much. I, I don't know what the percentage is. There is a significant percentage of your life that is outside of your control, okay? And we have to trust, you know what? I'm going to do my best. When it's time to work, I'm going to work. And when it's time to stop, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to trust that God is faithful, that he's got me, that he's, when I'm, when I'm tired, he's going to give me a piggyback ride. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up. I believe God wants to restore, and, and I, I, I understand this, this message may not be for everybody here. It's for me, and I suspect that there are a few other people in the room who can benefit from what I'm saying today. But God wants to restore us to a place of intentionality where we are living life on purpose. We are living life with purpose. We're not simply reacting to what's going on around us. We're not passive. We're not victims in life, but we are living with intention. We are living with purpose. I want to end with this. God says you are precious. God says you are loved. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. God says you are adopted into his family, raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. God says that you have a glorious hope and a future that's brighter than anything you can imagine. So listen, listen, you don't have to strive for approval. You don't have to prove your worth to some random stranger on social media, to the guy down the street, or the girl in the next cubicle. Rip off that badge of busyness that we wear busyness like a badge in our society. Rip it off. Put on the peace of Christ, right? Rip off the badge of constant striving and find a sacred rhythm that makes your worship more holy, that makes your work more productive, and your rest actually rejuvenating, right? Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I want less noise and more music in my life, <laughs> right? 
I want less noise and more music in my life. Amen. I want you to bow your head with me. Um, Is there anybody here today, and you would just you just say, by raising your hand, um, God's highlighting something in my life that relates to what what you were saying today. Anybody here that that wants? Okay, yeah, several hands. Okay, and I don't know what the root is for you. Okay, it may be one of those things that I mentioned guilt or fear, anxiety, pride, control. Maybe it's something completely unrelated to anything that I've I've talked about. But right now, let's just rest in the goodness of God. Rest in His mercy. Rest in His grace. That's what today, it's it's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. It's time to be encouraged in his presence. And so, Lord, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. God, we confess that we have this tendency to try to maintain control. Lord, some of us live with guilt, false guilt. Some of us live with fear of the unknown, a need for control. But, Lord, you are God over it all. You are God over it all. And so, Lord, I pray that somehow you would help us to take those baby steps to move into the life that you have for us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing one more song. Lord, we thank you for the rest that you give. Lord, I pray that today you would flood our hearts with your grace. Flood our hearts with your peace. Lord, I know that there are those of us who walked through these doors today carrying burdens, carrying troubles, And so, Lord, right now, in this moment, we release them to you. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. I surrender to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Just rest right now in his grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord, that brings life and hope and healing. God, I pray that 
you would allow us this week, Lord, just to find times of quietness with you. It's so easy to run to the things of this world. Teach us to quiet our spirits so that we can hear your voice saying, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. Thank you.